Hello and welcome to another episode of the Small Agency Talk Show. I'm your host, Chip Griffin, the founder of Saga, the Small Agency Growth Alliance, and I am delighted to have with me a regular panelist, an all-around smart and fun guy, and someone who may or may not have a prop. I don't know. I forgot to ask him in the pre-show, so we might have something. Lee McKnight Jr. from RSWUS. Welcome to the show, Lee. Oh, Chip. It's great to be back for season eight. This is awesome. <laughs> Uh, I don't keep track of the seasons, Lee. So I got it out with me. Alf. Oh, not, uh, we're, we're, Alf. Yeah. We are, we are dating ourselves here. We are. Yeah. Uh, hey, because recipes, uh, this is now turned into a cooking segment. Everybody get ready. What are we cooking? Lasagna. Uh, didn't he eat cats? I don't know. Oh, actually, now that you say that, yeah. I mean, this is for, for, for you young folks in the audience or anyone who's not old as dirt like we are. Um, ALF was a show back in the 1980s. You may have heard of the 1980s. <laughs> you might even have read about it in a textbook. Oh, wait a minute. You don't have textbooks anymore. You, no. Wikipedia no. or whatever. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for bringing the prop and the levity to, to get us started. Happy Friday. It's This is yeah. always an enjoyable part of the week when we get to have these conversations. And so, so today we're going to talk about some some hard new research that you guys have. Uh, it's your annual agency new business report. It is a must read for anyone in the agency community because it's got a lot of insights into what's going on around you. And so obviously we all can take our own temperature and we can see what's happening in our own business, but it's good to see what, what other firms are experiencing. And yeah. so that's what we're gonna dive into today. We're gonna dive into some of the observations that you have, particularly some of the things that may be shifting in the agency community over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, we'll just take it from there. So why don't you share with us a, a few of the the highlights of the report? Actually, even before that, why don't you explain the report to those people who yeah. may not have, have experienced it before? Sure, absolutely. So we, so RSW, you know, we're an outsourced business development group. We only work with agencies. So we do this annually, as you pointed out. And um, it's specifically agencies throughout U.S. and Canada, uh, predominantly small and mid-sized firms, which is, which is our target audience, if you will. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this one is interesting. The past two years, this report really saw a lot of good things come out of it, which is great. Um, but it was a lot of, you know, COVID buildup, organic growth that was happening. And as far as business development, not every agency, certainly, but a fair amount of agencies, business development was easy. Maybe it's not, not ever the right work to use, but it was absolutely easier. And this year's a little bit of a wake-up call. And what we're seeing is that organic growth slow. I mean, one of the first stats I point out was that organic growth for the agencies we surveyed slowed uh, 11%, I believe it was. Yeah, organic growth fell by 11% in 2022 is an effective way to drive new business. And anecdotally, in the conversations we're having with firms, we're definitely seeing that. And so... Generally, just new business is getting harder to come by. And so far in 22, with leading at 23. And the other stat I'll throw out just generally, it's 28% of agencies that attain new business compared to last year was harder or a lot harder in 21, mind you. Now in 22, that risen to 43% saying it's harder. New business mm -hmm. is getting harder. And that's a big jump. Um, and, and, it, and it should be an eye opener, excuse me, for, for agency. It's not gloom and doom. But it's time to take a step back and look at what you're doing. So what's what's the why behind that? Why why is new business more difficult now? Yeah, two yeah. years ago. 
and, and teed that off. We asked that and it was, so top three, one is just harder to break through your prospects. And that's typically up there, man, it, it jumped quite a bit. So that was a full, what was it? 55% of agencies. That was the number one reason why. Number two is interesting, just fewer opportunities out there. It's 39%. And the third, and this is a ongoing trend. It seems like every year, but it's can't find the right person to drive a new business program. And that was 31%. So yeah, I mean, those three are super shocking. Um, but the, all three of those percentages, uh, higher than last year. Right. Well, and I mean, obviously as, as we look at those as reasons, you know, starting with the the third one first, can't find someone to drive new business. I mean, for most small and mid-sized agencies, the, the owner needs to look in the mirror, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you can hire people to support you. You can hire people to help move the process forward, but you really have to be the driving force behind your own agency's revenue growth, at least until you become a large firm and you have no idea what's going on as the owner. But there are very few of those out there and certainly they're not listening to this show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, look, we get it. I mean, that's one of the reasons, reasons, excuse me, why we exist. I mean, I'll do a shameless plug, but I mean, yeah. the owners come to us and say, look, I just, I, I can't do this by myself, but they do have to be involved to your point. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, right. and I'm not advocating they should do it by themselves. They yes. should absolutely right. have help internal, external, whatever. Yeah. But it's just, it's a lot of owners just want the silver bullet of being able to hire an individual or a firm and just say, you bring me new business, I'll execute on it. Done and done. done. Right. Yeah. And it, it's hirings, you know, we were talking about it for the show, hirings hard anyway for this particular position. It's always been difficult. And a lot of times, quite frankly, the blame's on the agency. Agencies, I love you. We love you. But, you know, it's that when, even when they do hire that person, they're, they're counting on a Rolodex that runs out or they don't train them up. They hire someone young and presumably doesn't cost, you know, what, what a seasoned individual might, might cost to hire. And, um, it doesn't work and they wonder why, uh, and that's not all on the agencies, but I think just that hiring piece, understandably is quite difficult, but, um, but you're right. I mean, yes, they need help, but those owners got to drive it. Uh, and it, it's hard. Mind you, but, uh, and, and you know, when we talked about process and, and get into that a little bit, but, um, that's the other piece of it. I think it's just the agencies don't take the time to even think about, well, how are we going to go about this? Uh, so, right. I mean, the, the, historically, you know, agency new business processes are, oh my God, we lost a client. We need to go find a new one. Um, and, and, and that, that's always my favorite line to hear from. Uh, any kind of a leader in any organization. Oh, we just lost this piece of business. We need to go find something to replace it. Yeah. And 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 I always just sort of you know, just put my head down on the desk at that point because that, that's that's not how business development should work or does work. You don't just right. say, "Oh, I lost A. Now I'll get B to replace it." Yeah. You, you need to have an ongoing process because you're always going to be losing pieces of business. No right. agency, no business of any kind keeps everybody forever, nor should you. And we've talked about that on this show ad nauseum about the the problem of, of long-term clients and how they become less profitable because of over-servicing and all sorts of stuff like that. But um, let's look at the other two uh, causes yeah. of this, though, that, that you mentioned. So the, the first one, the harder to break through. Yeah. So why is it harder to break through? 
Yeah, I, I think. And, and, and is that code for something else, right? Because sometimes, as, as you and I know, when when, when someone says something, it, it, it often is code for, well, what it really means is we don't know who to talk to or we're not well focused or is it, I mean, is, is there anything behind it or is it? Well, I think, well, I think, yes, I think that, and that's interesting that, that you bring that up initially. Cause I do, yeah, I think it is. And we don't always get to glean some of those. And, and quite frankly, I don't know how forthright they would be about some of that anyway, but I think sure. sometimes it, you're, you're absolutely correct. On its face, the reality of it is, yes, it is harder to break through. And, and in the sense of now coming out of COVID, yes, a lot more hybrid work and, and people at home, but you know, it shouldn't stop. I mean, I just, I just was on a sales call this morning and, uh, you know, one of the things that we tout, whether it's working with us or working on your own. It's so much of these junk sales emails every day on there that you do every, anyone watching gets them all the time. And, and I keep them and I use it for content, but you know, one of the things certainly, and, and that this, this gentleman brought up principal at this agency was, I mean, does this all even work anymore? For example, I mean, is that even a thing? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, it is. But the, the key there is you've got to use multiple platforms to comfort with each other. Whoever's doing it, you don't know where a prospect lives. So when they say harder to break through, part of that is also because or how hard are you really trying to break through, quite frankly? I send a couple of emails. I didn't get anything back. It's like, okay, we got to do more than send a couple of emails. Right. You know, we did X. And I don't know. Nothing it didn't really work. Well, how much did you follow up on that? Oh, yeah. Not, not that much. So I think that's part of it. But you're right. Is that code for some of these agents not having that process in place, not having the right individual that they're going after, or maybe even the right signs of company. I mean, they're killing themselves with these small projects and these smaller clients when maybe they could take a step up and they haven't even thought about what it's really going to take to get their team not only motivated, but be able to pay those bills and pay your team. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if someone says to me, I'm having a hard time breaking through to prospects, the immediate thing I think about is you need to look at your ideal client definition and make sure that, that you've really got that nailed down and that it's accurate. And you also need to look at your positioning to make sure that it's really speaking to that ideal client. Because the reality is, if you can clearly define your ideal client and they have an actual need for an agency like yours, and, and you can explain that you provide the solution for them, it shouldn't be difficult to get through. And, yeah. and, and so if you're not getting through, it's probably because there's a mismatch. You're selling something that they don't want. They don't have the, the problem that you think they have, that there's something to it more so than just, ugh, they're working from home. I can't reach them there. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, it's so spot on. I think that that's interesting that I, I'm going to steal that from you in my next blog post, but, but it is, it's so true. And I think another piece of that too, is, is just a follow-up obviously breaking through initially is one piece of it, but we just had actually our president, the company, Mark, just sent an email to everyone today. We had a, a client close a piece of business here recently. Now, thankfully it doesn't always take this long. The whole process took nine months, but it was the initial meeting. Now we've already broken through to be fair here, but I'll finish <laughs> the, the principal, a particular client of ours that's been with us for eight years that, uh, ah, didn't really go anywhere. I mean, it's a covenant I like to work with, but that nothing happened. Our new business director took it upon himself over time to go back in there and set up another meeting it took about six months later Then that process and the process itself, we have a stat there that it's taking longer generally for, for agencies, apparently, um, close that piece of business. And he said, thank you all, because I initially, I was thinking that was going nowhere and I wouldn't have told you to follow up on it. Right. But we got forwarded to granted I'm, I'm getting 
getting a little bit off that particular stat, but I think it ties in with what you said. Right. And if you think about it in, in non-agency new business terms, I mean, if, if I come to you and and I, I know that that you play in a band, I'm like, okay, I've got this really, this fancy, great electric guitar that, you know, you've always been dreaming about. I've got it. I, I can sell it to you for a hundred bucks and I will hand deliver it this afternoon. You're going to talk to me about that. Yeah. Right. Right. If I, if I tell you that, you know, I've got a, uh, I don't know, a vacuum cleaner that is kind of beat up and noisy, but it, it sort of cleans <laughs> and I can get it to you in about three months for a thousand dollars. You're probably not going to talk to me, right. right? Because I've mismatched what I'm selling, who I'm selling it to and what the value of it is. So if you're having trouble breaking through, look at the reasons why first, don't blame it on technology or where people are working or the, any of those kinds of things, because it's probably not what the real problem is. Um, and so, so number two on the list of uh, uh, explanations for, for why people were having challenges was, was fewer opportunities. Are there actually fewer opportunities in, in, from what you're seeing? Is it, is it the people, is it that companies and other organizations are being pickier about what they're sending to agencies? Are they, do they have smaller budgets? I mean, so is there something to this fewer opportunities thing? That's a great question. I mean, some of it, and I'd like to, dig into that more. I, I, it's interesting. I actually think now, Brandon, now we did, we did this, uh, in August. So not, not that far back. Right. So it's snapped on in time. Yeah. Fair. Um, but I think now when we talk about this for the show, we're not necessarily seeing that. Um, and I think now, especially, and I'm going to steal a little bit of what you said earlier, Chip was, you know, you have a lot of these firms who were able to get in, get some work, you know, during COVID. And now some of these companies are taking a step back and really taking a, a closer look at some of these firms. Are you doing what you said you were doing? And, and as you said earlier, what is the ROI here? And so what we're saying, it's, it's while maybe not great for that agency that's under the microscope, it's opportunity for a lot of other firms. And this is the time for you agencies to be capitalizing. I mean, if there are other agencies not cutting it, here you go. It's a chance that you get in that door. So I, I, we're actually starting to see, I think, a little bit, I don't say a huge increase, but the opportunities are, are, are there. So, you know, I would love to get an open-ended question maybe next time and dig into more. What exactly does that mean? Is it less opportunities with current clients? Is it less opportunity just period out there? Because definitely not necessarily seeing that. I could see perhaps current clients maybe pulling back somewhat, whether that's economy-based and looking for the future. Um, so that's the one piece that I, and that I wonder, but, um, but overall, I don't necessarily think that's, that's the case. Well, it's, it's also an easy fallback for someone, right? So that they, they're yeah. not looking in the mirror and blaming what they're doing, their process, their approach, their positioning, and instead saying, well, there's just less out there. Um, uh, and, and maybe there's less out there because of reason number one, right? If you're not breaking through to prospects, you're not hearing about opportunities, but maybe that's because you're not breaking through to the right prospects. And, right. So yeah. if, if you've got a mismatched value proposition, you're not going to be getting opportunities because they have to see you as a credible solution to whatever challenge they actually have before they'll even tell you that they've got an opportunity. It's not like, you know, most firms are out there saying, hey, anybody, anybody want to help us? <laughs> right. That's 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 not how the world works, generally speaking. Um, one of the things you touched on was was process. And, I, you know, one of the things I had noticed and we talked about this a little pre-show um, yeah. and I looked through the report was that the there seemed to be a significant uptick in the number of agencies that said lack of process was one of their problems. Yeah. So 
Um, and, and I sort of jokingly said when we were talking before that, geez, what is this? You know, the, the last couple of years, it's been pretty good. And, and now it's ticked up. Did they just throw out their process and say, yeah, forget about it? Uh, but but it is, I you know, I, I think, you know, process is probably another one of those proxy things, right? Because if you're winning business, sure, I've got a process. It's signing contracts. <laughs> if you're not winning business, you know, process is broken down, clearly. So, yeah. uh, you know, talk a little bit about the process piece. And, and in particular, I'm curious, you know, as you are working with clients, are you frequently having to help them put processes in place behind their business development efforts? The answer to the latter is, is yes. Um, I mean, quite frankly, for a lot of firms that come on board, the art process at the top of the funnel, certainly. I mean, because ultimately when we work with clients, we try to get them as close to close can. So we're there at those first meetings to nurture. If they go dark, things like that. Ultimately, though, our clients do have to close. I mean, they're, we're not like in the pitches with them. Right. So in that sense, absolutely, the answer is yes. You know, I think the, it's interesting how many more agencies admitted that they don't have a process. We're saying that now this year they don't. Kudos, kudos for being truthful with yourself. Right. But yeah, that was pretty uh, staggering as a bit much. But, but it was a little shocking to see the percentage grade that it was eight or nine points from last year. And um, yeah, I, it, it's interesting. And, and, you know, I think it goes hand in hand with hiring. I mean, what we're seeing now is, you know, like, what was it? Only, um, oh, what was it? Oh, I missed, there it was. Oh yeah. So in 2021, hiring a new business director position at an agency fell to its lowest level since 2010 with just 32% of agencies hiring a new business director in the past three years. 2022, the number is once again, 32%. Um, that, I would think that that's got to go kind of hand in hand with, well, we hired this person or, and, it, and it didn't work. So now we're not doing that anymore. And wow, what, what is, I think a lot of them, just to be fair, don't really know how to do it to scale. I think that's always the biggest problem a lot of times with small and mid-sized firms because they all wear so many hats. I'm sure it's required to, I know on this, but I think they get stuck with not starting small enough to where they can then scale a process and it kind of tends to fall apart and then they're back to square one and, oh man, this client needs this now, we'll get back to that. So I think some of it, to be fair, it's just, it's just hard for, for a lot of small and mid-sized firms to, to know exactly what to do. Well, and the reality is, I think the the number, uh, you know, even though it is ticked up, it is still far short of what reality is, because your experience, my experience in working with agencies would be that the vast majority do not have a business development process, at least not a, a defined process. They, they, they may have something that they sort of accidentally kind of do on a regular basis, but the vast majority do not have what, what you or I would classify as a proper process in place for, for winning new business. And it, I, to me, I think it really is one of those things where if things are going well, you, you say you have a process, things are not going well, you say you don't. Um, and, and that's, that's really, um, yeah. you know, the way you can sum it up, but it, it is, it is something that would benefit most agencies to put some kind of process in place. And part of the problem is that, that a lot of times when I see agencies say, oh yes, we need to put a process in place for business development or really anything else is they then start to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Right. And, yes. and so process doesn't have to be difficult or bureaucratic or, you know, excessive, excessively detailed. It just needs to be something that's defined and repeatable. Pretty if you can do that, you'll be in good shape. Oh my God. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, 
they get inside their own heads so often and too many cooks in the kitchen. I'll keep throwing cliches out, but sure. Yeah. I mean, things just grind to a halt. Like we need, we need the team to look at this case study. And then the next 12, uh, the team consists of eight people apparently, and each one, <laughs> and, it, and I laugh and I'm not laughing at them, but it's, that's all you can do at that point. It's wow. Yeah. It doesn't have to be overly bureaucratic or any of the things you said. Um, and I think that's, gosh, that's one of the biggest hurdles that they yeah. So now let's, let's talk about one of my favorite, most disturbing statistics, which is the number of agencies that have a single client that represents more than half, more than 50% of their revenue. Yeah. And I, I believe that once again, it's somewhere in the, the one in four neighborhood yeah. of, of agencies. Correct. And I always talk about how you don't want to have a whale client that is over 20% of your annual revenue, but we're not talking 20%. We're not talking 30% or even 40%. We're talking 50% or more. One out of four agencies, I'll be blunt, and, and this is not going to be a popular opinion for some of you, I'm sure. But if you have over 50% of your revenue coming from a single client, you don't have an actual agency business. You're an in-house agency that happens to take on a few outside clients. I mean, because you cannot make reasonable business decisions if one agency, if one client completely controls your ups and downs. Yeah, someone's giving you the stink eye. Several people are. I, I'm sure. I'm sure I'm, the, the hate mail will come in and I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, you, it's... Look, it's a hard it, truth, right? It's a hard truth. And and look, look, a lot of agencies have started that way and and that's fine, you know, if you're if you're just getting started, okay, you you get a little bit of an exemption for a short period of time to address that. If it's if it's happened because you had a 20% client and then you lost two big ones because of COVID or something like that 2 years ago, you get a pass for some time to to fix it. The fact that this number keeps coming up this way every time you do the survey suggests that these are structural issues. And the agencies, either through uh, intention or inertia, are accepting the fact that they have this kind of a whale client. Yeah, and I think the highest I ever heard was like 80%. And uh, I think they may have been fitting a little bit there. It's scary. And um, to your point, I mean, 50 should be scary, right? Um, and, you know, I, I, we talked about this again a little bit pre-show, was that well, I'll just say, I mean, some of it was understandable during COVID, coming out of COVID. We're, we have this one client and we're scared, understandably so. We're taking this, whatever they give us, we're taking. Um, and I think that's one way that it probably got a little bit out of control. It's tough to harp on some audit agency for doing that. But at the same time, as we just said, hard truth. You can't, that's not as, as you laid it all out already. I mean, that, that, that can't and shouldn't be sustained. And, right. and look, I'm not saying go fire your whale client. I'm not sure. saying right. don't take additional business from them that increases the percentage. What I'm saying is you need to double down on finding additional business, additional clients to diversify your client base. Because otherwise, what you do is you become so beholden to that whale client, you start making really bad business decisions. And, and then you start hating your own business. And you sit there and you look and you're like, I, I'm generating all this revenue. Why am I so miserable? Why? Because you are forcing yourself to over-service this one giant entity that decides whether you succeed or fail. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. And, and you know, I know there are going to be folks that are watching or, or will be watching that are in that position. 
and you nailed it again. Diversification, you, you, you have to. Um, and it's not an overnight process. It's going to take time. No. It's, it's not like you just wake up and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get down below 50% by adding these other clients, right? Yeah. You can't do it. It's going to take time. But if you don't even have a plan, a process in place yeah. to get you there, I guarantee you, you won't get there. Totally. And you know, here's the good news. Okay. At least you got that revenue coming in, right? Absolutely. I mean, now we're kudos to you. You've got a giant client who's doing a lot of work with you, right? I mean, that that's great. You know, I applaud that. Sure, it's a stepping stone. It's a perfect time to diversify. You know, it's just like what I say with new business, right? It's when you when you got it coming in is when you should be working just as hard to keep new new business coming in. Yep. Um, yeah, well, the busier you are with clients, the more you've got to focus on business development. It's it's a lesson I learned 20 some years ago when I was first getting started. It's the reason why so many small agencies will complain about, oh, it's such a roller coaster of revenue. It's a roller coaster because you're not focusing on the business development 100% of the time. Yeah. What you're, what's happening is you're getting busy with clients and you're saying, oh, I don't have time for this. I got to focus on keeping my clients happy. Then you lose a client. You're like, oh, crud, I got to go replace them. Right. And, and that's why you have a roller coaster of revenue. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we didn't want, well, the, the stats are what they are with this, this year's report. Right. And I think that the, this one you just brought up with the gorilla client is probably the scariest, right? I think all the other stats are, Hey, okay, we're back to where new business is hard again. It's always hard. And, you know, I said in one blog post I wrote last week, I mean, the agency that have been here before just in terms of new business being hard yet. The, the very nature of our industry is cyclical and we've, we've, we've been here. So I think agencies, what, what I didn't want to have happen is an ad we picked it up, which is great. Um, but they love those juicy headlines of, oh my God, you know, this, the sky is falling. It's, you know, generally it's not, but this particular one, especially is a, should be a wake up call, uh, other stats too, but that's one that you, you got to address that now, yesterday. Yeah, and I don't think that it's necessarily just become harder anyway. I think it's really that the froth has gone away, right? Anyway. And, and and there was froth in the agency industry from those clients who either were so overworked that they needed to farm stuff out yeah. or they were so desperate to change their business model and, and generate new revenue sources that they were willing to to overspend in an attempt to get themselves there. And so it made work for a lot of agencies, particularly you know in the digital space or you know, folks who are helping businesses make transitions, uh, there was a lot of opportunity there yeah. that, that doesn't right. exist today because today people are making much more rational decisions about how to invest their organization's funds when it comes to marketing, advertising, PR, et cetera. Um, so the, the last thing I want to touch on before we run out of time here is uh, the list of things that work. So we, we've talked about what doesn't oh, yeah. work. We've talked about the problems, but but now let's talk about the things that work. And what struck me is that they're the, the three top things there by far are the three things that most agency folks will tick off off the top of their head when they talk about how they get new business, right. organic growth, referrals, and networking, and it, which is great. And I, so I, I want to talk about that. But I also want to talk about why it is that when you talk to agency owners who are struggling with new business, they immediately talk about how they need to be doing other stuff. Well, you know, we really... We really need to get an email program going. We really need to be working on our SEO. We really need to be, you know, getting more speaking opportunities. And and what I always fail to understand is why when you look and you say these are the things that are that we've proven work for us. Yeah. Why don't you lean into that instead of saying, you know what? 
I got to go teach myself how to do email marketing properly for my agency, or I got to go buy Facebook ads and build a funnel that way. Why don't you lean into the things that work? Yeah. 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 I mean, that, and you brought that up for sure. And I was like, yeah, that's an excellent point. I, it, it, and what we always say, quite frankly, when an agency comes on board with us, it's like, Joel, yes, we're here to help you drive the business. Of course. The referrals, the networking, I mean, the, those pieces are still critically important and don't stop doing those. And, or if you weren't doing that, why not? For God's sake. I mean, right. We would never be one to say oh, referrals. No, of course they work. They're fantastic. But to rely on those on their own, you know, is not, is not necessarily dependable. So it's all about having this again, process in place, but you're hundred percent right. Yeah. I mean, all down on what is working. It doesn't mean that, yeah. If you haven't updated your site in X amount of years, if you're driving prospects there, it should be presentable and they should know what you do and who you are. But ultimately I, I would agree. Uh, it, it, why, why aren't you leaning in all those things that quite frankly are easier, let's say easy, but they're that's in place already, or, you know, or you certainly can kick that into place. First, right. as you said, now we're going to start this new thing that we don't know about, and it's going to take X amount of time and money and it'll work. What? Well, and, and the work that you do or the work that an in-house biz dev person is doing should be complementary to these efforts, right? Yeah. Because, because your targeting or the in-house targeting should be related to the network that already exists, getting referrals from the people that you're talking to. Because referrals don't just have to come from existing clients. Referrals can come from anyone who is aware of the, the work that you do and the value that you provide. Right. And so if you're out there talking to more and more people, whether it's directly or through your biz dev person or through a firm like RSW, that all helps. Yeah. And But focus on that. Don't say, oh, you know, we've got to put together a committee to look at building a website and let's tweak this or that. I mean, frankly, so many agency websites are overbuilt. Yeah. They're, they focus too much on being fancy and cool for their peers instead of actually just saying, hey, Here's what we do, and here's who we do it for. Yeah. I cannot tell you how many times I look at an agency website, and I have no idea what services they actually provide yeah. or who their ideal client is. Your website needs to scream that from the rooftop, and it needs to just look professional. It doesn't need to look like, oh, wow, they spent $100,000 on this or a million dollars on this. I mean, that's not why clients are choosing their agencies. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's... 100% on the sites, not to get too off on where we were, but as an addendum, let's say, to what you just said, it, it weirdly, even today, good Lord, in the year that it is, I was just prospecting an agency yesterday. And then I stopped though for a second because I was clicking through all the fun, creative things on their site where we had, you know, things going this way and that way. It's like, I've been on this site now for almost a minute. I had no idea who you are, what you do. I mean, I'm not the same, but I was like, God, are we past that yet? Because to your point, you're, if you think you're doing that for your prospects, you're not, um, you're trying to arrest other agencies and, like, uh, who are well, not hiring you by the way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It immediately does have to scream this sure is what we do and, and not over-engineer it, not over-build it. And there's still a lot of them that are that way. I, I, I tend to think it's gotten a little bit better. Maybe I'm just telling myself that, um, but yeah, as far as size, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think sort of the G whiz nature has improved a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as it should though. Yeah. No. And you know, when you talk about those three, those top three that you mentioned, what's also interesting about that question 
was the same thing the last couple of years too, is you're seeing that they're doing no outbound at all. I mean, cause like phone email was like 14%, everything else was for it, like 3%, right. you know, phone, email, mail, whatever it might be, the tools that you would need to do some outbound. Um, it's not a big shock because we talk, you know, we see in the other stats about lack of process and lack of hiring and things like that. But, um, that's, I mean, that's always a little bit disconcerting. And again, agencies get scared, you know, again, it's all about scale. You don't have, if you don't have time to don't go out of the gate and think you're going to be doing it 24 seven, because if you're the owner, you're not going to be able to do it at all, but you can make it work. Right. And, and the mistake that people make with outbound is, is, as you well know, is they just start going out completely cold when they do. Yeah. And then they say, well, why didn't this work? Yes. Cause you're just, you, you're going and, and banging on random doors. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't work. You, you have to know who you're trying to reach and, and you have to reach out to them as humans. I mean, I, you know, you, you talked about early in this conversation, uh, it's probably a good way to, to wrap up here is, uh, you know, all the bad emails that we're getting. And, and I have to tell you, I get a incredible amount of just poorly targeted, poorly written, poorly positioned emails yeah. from agencies. They don't have any idea even who they're reaching out to. It's just they're clearly just blasting away and trying to sell me stuff that I have absolutely no need for. And they could find that out in about 15 seconds of research. If they just brought up my website or looked at my LinkedIn profile, they would know they don't need to sell this to me. They need to move on somewhere else. And so if you're going to waste your resources, you can't complain about the fact that it's not working after the fact. Oh, my gosh. 100%. I just, I'll, I'll do another shameless plug for this video series that we do three takeaways. So we're at episode 99, just released it this week. And this was, I get agency principals. We've done enough of these on that subject that they will send me like the sales emails. They're like, oh my God, you got to, you need to put this one in your next video. It's just cool. They do that. I don't necessarily want to be the guy who slammed and we don't slam anyone. Like literally we never mentioned companies or names, but the first one, the first takeaway is God's sake, you got to make these initial sales emails short. And to the point, and I had our cameraman over my shoulder scrolling through this one email that literally is the longest sales email I've ever gotten in my life. It's insane. And so just things like that. Um, I had a sales call again, the same one this morning that they were asking me to email. I'm like, God, are, are these prospects aren't even paying attention to email anymore? I'm like, well, no, they are. They're not paying attention to the crap, which so much of it is. So yeah. And they're like, well, that makes it harder for us, the salespeople. I'm like, yes, you're right. It does, but that's why and I love that you said it. And, and it sounds cheesy. Like you have to understand that you are talking to another human being when you're reaching out. And when you have that frame of mind, your emails and your folks on email at the moment, they're going to be better. Um, and it's not, I'm not trying to kumbaya and we're all human. Yeah, that's an overused phrase, but you're talking to another person. So if it reads like an ad or what a, the jump that, that most of it is, why would they care? Why would they open it? It is just more clutter. Well, I, I think I'm getting the uh, the wrap it up signal from my producer. So we, yep. we, we have gone over our usual allotted time, but the beauty is, I mean, this isn't broadcast, so I don't have ads that have to run at a particular time or something like that. So I can, when we're having a good quality conversation like you and I are having, Lee, mm-hmm. we can run over a bit. If someone would like to, to learn more about RSWUS, learn more about you, connect with you, maybe get a copy of this report so that they sure. can look at all of the things we didn't have a chance to talk about because we're not going to make this a three-hour show as much as I would <laughs> like to. Where should they go? Uh, RSWUS.com. And you can just go to the resources drop down and you'll see survey reports. 
and all kinds of other good content there too. Excellent. Well, thank you, Lee, for joining us. Uh, thank you for bringing along the, the prop to make sure that we get to have a little bit of fun here. Um, I'm, I'm going to go have some lunch now. I will not be eating cats. Though, so uh, with that, that wraps up this episode of the Small Agency Talk Show. Thank you all for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you all back here again real soon. And Lee, I look forward to having you back on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me as always. I love it. Have a good weekend, everybody.